is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another uh, highly contentious episode of the London is Blue podcast. I'm, of course, Nick, joined by Abdullah and Jesse. Uh, we are, are breaking down the big one today, um, and look, this is this is a recording on a Saturday instead of a Sunday after a Friday night epic. Uh, I guess there's no other way to put it. Uh, Arsenal versus Chelsea in WSL. So we're going to go over everything that happened uh, in that nil-nil draw. Uh, far more exciting than the scoreline might uh, might anticipate. So there's uh, there's that, and then of course I think it's it's kind of half look back, half look ahead. We're going to see what Emma did in this game, what that might lead to, and where, where the league might go after this. So those are those are kind of the, the big talking points that we're going to touch on today. But of course, we would be remiss and uh, ne- negligent if we didn't talk about this in three words. Uh, Jesse, what is your three-word match review? Yeah, I went for uh, had it all because, uh, Nick, as you've kind of alluded to, even though it was nil-nil, it just felt like this game, well, this game had everything apart from goals, I guess. Um, Yeah, you know, goal mouth scrambles, controversial penalty, non-penalty decisions, um, a huge array of talent, I thought, from from both sides. I think, you know, we're going to, you know, get onto this, but it just felt like two teams really playing playing at their best. And it was was just a cracking game of football, to be honest. Abdullah? I think mine is, um, it's not as clever or anything, but it's just Carter, Brian, Hour. I think that for me was like, besides the game being so amazing, I felt like the three of them, and along with John Anderson, I couldn't add the fourth defender in here because it's three words, but, um, but particularly these three, I think they just, defensive masterclass. If I could split master and class into two different words, that would have been my three-word match review. But I think the strides that these three have made particularly carter who i think everybody has been doubting including us on this on this podcast for so long these last two games and the two biggest games of the season potentially it's just come up trumps and that too at a at fullback which is where the whole story started of she's not a fullback how is she playing here and then she's you know i think i think we figured out a way to play carter where if you just need a pure no nonsense defensive right back you play Jess Carter then, and you 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 can you can do everything else everywhere, and Anik now I think and since Ericsson's gone out stepped in brilliantly, and I think for me uh, doesn't deserve to get dropped even when Magda comes back. Is this what are we doing? Thousand word match review? <laughs> Sorry, what, what, what? <laughs> I love the way Abdullah was like, oh, I couldn't fit all the four defenders in, so I just did these these three. But let me just expand on that. I just wanted to expand. I'm sorry. I'm my bad. You had the excited like puppy dog face going on. I was like, oh, just let him roll with it. He's, he's <laughs> killing it. Sorry, man. All right. For, for those uh, who have listened to our, our, our typical Monday show for a long time, I am a sucker for alliteration. So I've come back with some alliteration here. Tight, tough, tense. Uh, these are probably how the Chelsea Arsenal match, I mean, this match should be how it feels. I mean, not the blowouts that have necessarily happened in recent years. I mean, th- these are the class of the the WSL, so it should feel like this, although I'm not pumped about the result. But we dive in. There is lots to talk about. We, uh, we, we are going to uh, dive into every detail here. This was, of course, a Friday night epic against Arsenal uh, in the WSL at Kings Meadow. 
nil-nil scoreline, but the but the action is certainly uh, more than than what the scoreline represents. Jesse, the lineup, an interesting bit of selection by uh, by our dear leader. Yeah, um, it was interesting. It, it was different from from what I thought. I think lots of people thought we would stick with the the city lineup, and we broadly did, with one kind of notable exception. So we had AKB in goal, um, our standard back four right now of Carter, Bright, now and Anderson. Aaron Cuthbert and Sophie Ingle in the middle, Guru Wrighton on the left, Sam Kerr and Panila Harder up front. But then on the right, we had Frank Kirby come in for Jesse Fleming. And I think um, it'll be interesting to talk about this because it felt like a big decision on Emma's part. And there were different points in the game where I thought it it suited us more than others, which is just like quite a fascinating thing of like pulling apart those those two different players. Um, and I'll just touch on the Arsenal lineup as well because this was a bit of a, a shift for them, and I think it it plays into a, a lot of what we're talking about. Um, they had Zinsberger in goal. Unfortunately, Leah Williamson was fit enough to play, uh, so they they partnered her with Rafaela um, Maritz on the right, Catley on the left, Leah Volti and Kim Little in the middle, Caitlin Ford on the left wing, Beth Mead on the right wing, and then. Miedemar in midfield with Blackstinius up front. So um, we kind of saw Arsenal do this for the last 15 minutes against United last week. Um, got the equaliser through that crazy uh, Miedemar assist and Jonas Adeval obviously thought, like, let's go with it again. And I definitely think there were there were parts in the game where it, where it worked out. I think, um, you know, there were, there were definitely points where Miedemar was, was able to find and get space where maybe in, say, the FA Cup final she wasn't. Um, but I think there were also other parts of the game where maybe it played into Chelsea's hands a bit. So I thought I thought it was a really interesting decision. Um, and again, I just think it just sums up this game. Like, it was just so fascinating to see these managers making these tweaks, like, figuring each other out a bit more. And it, it got my tactics senses tingling. Yeah, it is... Uh, it, this kind of had... Because... Look, we we've done a bunch of these match reviews this year, right? I don't know if we've seen this lineup in this way for Chelsea yet. Um, and I'm trying to think through all the thousand ruminations, so forgive me if I missed one. Um, but it it kind of I don't know if it felt this way to you, Abdullah. But when I saw the lineup come out, I was like, it feels like they like Idaval and and Hayes were doing some sort of telepathy thing going, no, I'm going to surprise you more. <laughs> no, I got you. But it, it just kind of like, yeah, this <laughs> is like big game nonsense. Like hundred uh, percent. I think it was one of those where I, I think they both like, I think, I think then the buildup during the week, everybody was hyped for this game. It was always billed as this potential title decider. And I think it almost in their own heads, I think secretly they thought it was the same thing. If we can get three points, we can go through. And I think, because of the way the first game played out and because of the way the FA Cup final played out, this was the game where, like, all right, Arsenal surprised, let's put it for the, for the sake of the argument, Arsenal surprised Chelsea in the first game of the season and they won. Second game, Chelsea came out of the blocks and blew Arsenal away in the FA Cup final. So this third game was almost like the one, the decider between the two of them going, all right, let's see who can surprise who and let's see who can come up trumps and bring this revolutionary tactical thing that, you know what, oh my God, couldn't cope with it. And well, turns out they cancelled each other out, and then just it just was a nil nil. I mean, it could, it's, it's it's. But I think that in itself was so fascinating because Arsenal had a couple of new players come in, which Chelsea probably wouldn't have seen before. So that added intrigue to the whole thing. Chelsea playing players that you know you wouldn't expect to be playing at this time of the season. So it was it was fun. I think overall it was really fun. 
Well, we'll break it down for us, Abdullah. Stats time, shots, passes. I mean, this. I mean, it's it is a it's a title <laughs> bout, man. It, there's not a whole lot to split it. Hundred percent. I mean, in terms of the volume of shots, yeah, there was eleven to nine Chelsea to Arsenal. But in terms of like getting them on target, yeah, sure, not. But it's it's weird. We're calling this one of the potentially games of the season, yet there were only five shots on target across both teams. Which, <laughs> if you think about it, in any other game, you're like, that's it. I mean, there was not much action for the goalkeepers, yet there was so much going on for both of them. Uh, possession was pretty much fifty-one forty-nine Chelsea, so nothing much there. Pass is pretty much the same as well, four fifty-eight to to four 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 for for Chelsea. Uh, Seventy-seven and seventy-eight percent pass accuracy. Six fouls for Chelsea, nine for Arsenal. One you know one yellow card for Chelsea, two for Arsenal, and then but three offsides to one and and three corners to five. So I think relatively speaking, except for the uh, except for actually actually everything is pretty much fifty-fifty. You literally yeah. splitting it down the middle. Um, and the XG was, I mean, Chelsea had a 0.9 XG versus Arsenal's 1.5, which I'm looking, I'm thinking about it now, Arsenal's 1.5. Like, I don't actually, from what, so from those, you know, two shots on target, they had yeah. a 1.5 XG. I'm- well, yeah, I think it's because, so I was surprised by this um, and I wanted to see like how they broke it down. So they gave Miedema 0.8 and she had four shots, none of which were on target. I couldn't really recall, but I guess maybe if she had kind of four, not point two, those yeah. do things do add up. She had the one that hit the side the post, netting. Yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. yeah. The post. That in the hit. Corner. That ended up hitting me, and as well, there was a shot that ended up hitting me <laughs> on the leg, which hurt. That feels very cold. personal. Like uh, yeah. she's coming after our podcasters now. <laughs> Literally, she All right. hates Chelsea. Hit. Uh, yeah, and All they right. liked um, Stina Blackstonius's header a lot as well, which was a good chance. To be fair. Fair. So okay. yeah, Jesse, your stat of the week. Let's let's hear it. Yeah, so kind of touching on what you just said, Abdullah. Um, both sides had the lowest number of shots on target they have had this season. Um, I think from a Chelsea perspective, I just wanted to put some context in here: is that Barcelona limited Arsenal to like as few shots on target. Now I know we don't think of Barcelona like being a big defensive team, but they are a control team, and I think you know something control is a word that I felt like kind of summed up both teams throughout this game that, you know, even as maybe the balance of threat changed as we moved through the halves, it still felt like both teams had a, had a good good sense of, of what each other was doing. But I think as annoying that is from a Chelsea attacking perspective, it's something that I think we've really missed seeing from Chelsea recently. Even thinking about the City game last week, I know we we won, but lots of what we were talking about was how we weren't able to do that. So I just thought that was like a cool thing for to see from us. Yeah, we a little bit of the narrative shift from offensive firepower to defensive solidity over the last handful of weeks. And again, I mean, you know, Barcelona's the the class of the class of the class, right? I mean they're they're, they're the top right now. So if we're able to perform defensively like that at some point the offense will also get going and that'll be a fun time for us so uh look we're gonna break it down here we're gonna do a quick ad break uh just so that we can spend the rest of the time uninterrupted uh going through the rest of the game but uh thanks to these uh, sponsors for supporting the show and we'll be right back okay look you guys know the drill at this point we're here every week so come support us the the numbers for the show have actually been really great even with the large break in play in december and january so appreciate everyone's support uh for the show we're, we're trying to refine it and make it better as we as we go so feedback always helpful uh rate and review us on apple podcasts and on spotify on spotify we're we're growing like crazy 
it's almost as if they like good content on the platform too. So we could, <laughs> we could just be a shining light there, uh, which is awesome. And then, uh, Patreon, if you want a deeper relationship with the club and the community and this team, we have a wonderful uh, women's site on our Discord. So, all right, deep breath. Uh, we're getting into the first half here. And I guess, Jesse, it's fair to say Arsenal might have started a little faster in this game. Yeah, I mean, I think for the first 10 minutes, both teams are really trying to feel each other out. And I, I think... Um, I'm just going to say now, I was in the end behind the goal Chelsea were attacking for the second half. So lots of my analysis, I've not really watched much back since. Lots of my analysis is going to be a bit more like vibes analysis. Just going to get that out of the way ahead of time. Um, but, you know, in that first 10 minutes, I think Fran had a really good, um, pretty good opportunity, which she managed to like sky over over the bar. And I did think we came onto Arsenal quite strong in the first 10 minutes. But after that, in, in the next then 20 minutes, I'd say. It just felt like Arsenal were able to kind of, yeah, not take control of the game so much as just really effectively position themselves so that when we were playing out from the back, we were really unable to kind of build any attacks. We were like constantly having to just recycle possession around. And then, you know, kind of every five or six passes Arsenal would like manage a turnover and then they'd kind of come on to us so it definitely felt like you know the bulk of of attacks were were coming coming our way um that being said like there weren't you know we've kind of touched on this the expected goals there weren't loads of like super clear-cut opportunities but it definitely felt like <laughs> Chelsea needed to make sure it didn't get any further out of hand because we were really starting, I think, to teeter on the edge of where Arsenal would have just ended up, like, totally suffocating us. But, um, yeah, as I think we'll get onto, fortunately, we were able to kind of gradually get into the game a bit more. But, yeah, definitely at the start, it really felt like Arsenal were just ready to sit off, let us have the ball in defence, but as soon as it went into midfield, they were really sharp on, on turning the ball over. Abdullah, you made this point on Twitter, and I think this is maybe a um, byproduct of how slowly Chelsea started, which was, you know, to me, kind of a surprise, right? I would have thought adrenaline shot right before the game, just go out there, guns blazing, right? But it, it was a little odd because uh, Miedema playing a little deeper might have had a little bit more room to operate and it might have taken Chelsea by surprise, yeah? Yeah, no, I agree, and I thought, um, I, I thought if anything, they would have, there would have been one scenario in their heads where they thought Miedema would be playing in the midfield from the start, so that if that were to happen, you've got to suffocate the space around Miedema. Because I think if we're just looking at, um, if you're looking just at how uh, she played against United with that one pass across through to you know for the goal, you would have thought that all right, if you give her time and space, she can do that from there. The vision is unbelievable. We need to close her off. And I thought it would have been a perfect opportunity for someone like Aaron Cuthbert to be the the man mark man marking situation. Mm -hmm. Get her to man mark Miedema, close the space, don't let her move. But it just almost felt like the two in midfield were almost stranded and lost at times. So that for those 10, 15 minute spells after the first 10 minutes. And I remember a moment where Miedema picks up the ball, probably in, in, in the number eight position. She drives forward and she's kind of looking around for the next pass and no one is closing it down. Ingle and Cuthbert just seemed, seemed were perfectly fine and just screening the back four and just closing off the passing lanes, but not really and not closing her down. And then with the vision that she had, she was able to just kind of play play balls throughout to the wide areas and whatnot. And I thought 
that moment for 15, 20 minutes, I think was was massive because I thought if, if they don't close them down now, she's just going to pick up a pass and sit Black Senius will we'll finish one of these off. Um, but I guess, you know, after that, it was, uh, it, it started changing with the players. Well, you know, we'll get into it, but, you know, when the players decided to take control and sort of move around a little bit more. But yeah, that, 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 especially given how they played against City and how they were able to nullify Lucy Bronze coming into midfield and then the midfielders that they had, I was surprised they didn't do this for the three against Arsenal and, and just come in and knowing that, right, they're, they're creative. We need to close them down. Miraban needs a shadow, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Otherwise, she's going to try and hurt Jesse, which I don't frankly think is a really good trade. Um, all right. So, Jesse, did you put this in uh, kind of the change that happened between the first match against Arsenal and the second match in terms of where Chelsea started with the ball, how they were pressing, how they were going long, like all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. So I just kind of dropped in. I did a piece for uh, the analyst this week looking at the, those fancy, first two by the games. Way. So fancy. Um, and it was really interesting seeing how you know in the the first game Chelsea basically pressed really high and forced Arsenal back and then Arsenal just played long balls over the top and exploited all the space in behind so in the FA Cup game Chelsea kind of just sat back and said all right you have the ball and like we'll just get ready to like press you when we think there's a turnover there and then we'll we'll go on the attack but like you know you can have as much of the ball as you want and I think in the first half, at least, it definitely felt like there was an element of both teams then trying to do that version where it was like Chelsea were kind of like, we don't really want the ball. We'd like Arsenal to have the ball. But Arsenal were like, no, no, you guys have the ball because we want to like wait and turn it over for you in midfield. Um, and I think Arsenal definitely came out on, on top of that in the in the first half. I think, you know, all the, the points I've made about Miedemar really helped them with that because I do think Miedemar is like a really good kind of pressing player and I think sometimes when she's on her own up front she she struggles to have as much as impact as she was able to playing in that deeper position um but yeah I I kind of just put like there were no shots on target for either side in the first half which kind of felt like it backed up the back up this idea that both teams were just a bit like no like we, we don't want to like make that like more stringent move or try something a bit different because we know both know like what the other's gonna do as a result yeah, th- there is this uh, trait in a lot of big games or a lot of big boxing matches or a lot of big title whatevers, right? The Super Bowl will be an example of this uh, on Sunday where you don't come out throwing haymakers. You just don't. I mean, you, because to get to that championship level, you are you have gained intelligence along the way, right? So a lot of times it's very, very cagey. You know, the first 20, 30, 40 minutes, even, you know, some of these games get really, really cagey. And it kind of felt like, don't give them anything, let them take it, right, for both teams. Yeah. Um, and so that that's really an interesting point in terms of, like, where to start that press, too. Like, if you expose yourself, I mean, we got exposed in the first game, right? Of course, we had tired players and a whole bunch of nonsense in that game and an and incorrectly allowed goal. Uh, so, you know, whatever. But it is kind of an interesting point uh, that they make there, Jesse. Uh, Abdul, let's talk about the deployment of Ford here and, and what that might have meant uh, for Chelsea's defense uh, as she kind of maybe played a bit of a different role. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, this is one of those I'm going to try and outsmart you. Emma Hayes move from from Mr. Idaval where he wanted to um, he wanted to play uh, someone a little bit different on, on, on left wing. And I think 
Caitlin Ford has been um, really good in midfield, but I think one of the jobs that she did in this game was to kind of was more off the ball than on the ball, um, where the whole point was Chelsea are so good in the wide areas, and I think I think to an extent, to me that 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 choice of playing Caitlin Ford there was to counteract the fact that I think he he thought Fran Kirby would start. I think Idabel thought Fran Kirby would start on the right wing, so to nullify. Uh, supplies like Fran Kirby, let's play Caitlin Ford and kind of block off passing lanes and just be a nuisance there and almost be be the shadow on Kirby that, you know, Aaron or Sophie Ingo would be on on Miedema. Um and, and I think it worked well to an extent. Like I think she worked really hard off the ball um, and, and Chelsea didn't get as many chances. I mean, I don't think I saw, I mean, Fran Kirby had to, I mean, we'll talk about it, but Fran Kirby had to start coming inside some more centrally to start getting a bit more of an influence on the game and start disrupting kind of the game plan that Arsenal have on the other side I mean Guru Wright and had some chances but not her usual you know self be flying forward on the left hand side and and, and crossing in so I, I felt like that was a that, that was a good move from from Idaval that he used he played it there but I think from an attacking perspective I think Jess Jess Carter had uh, had had Caitlin Ford in her pocket I think it, it, putting the dive aside that, that move that went that she went uh, ahead of her. I think for the most part, Carter was able to deal with Caitlin Ford's, uh, uh, you know, position all night. Caitlin Ford isn't the quickest, quickest, so it helps Jess Carter in that she doesn't have to run as fast and go against, uh, you know, Beth Mead was playing on that side or maybe even Amane Iwabuchi or Tobin Heath who, who could have started. Um, but yeah, no, I think so. I think defensively it did a job for Arsenal. Uh, offensively, I think I think Chelsea had the better of uh, of Caitlin Ford over there. So let's let's keep it moving, right, Jesse? This uh, towards the end of the first half, maybe there started to be a little bit of a idea breakthrough for Chelsea, right? And this came through the the form of Kirby and Kerr trying to manipulate space a little differently. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, as Abdullah's kind of touched on, Kirby just really wasn't getting any joy in that traditional right wing position at all and you know I think when I was talking in the the lineups about how this kind of like summarized the difference maybe between Kirby and Fleming I just think when Kirby's deeper she's not really that kind of like press resistant player who's going to really be able to kind of turn herself out of trouble and and go she really is more someone you want you know who who wants space to like really operate to the to kind of the best of her abilities and you know as we got into the, like the last 10 minutes I'd say of that first half you began to notice that um Harder was kind of dropping back a bit more to help with that midfield overload and also drifting out left a bit a bit even more extremer to, to work closer with Guru Wright and um, Kirby was coming in centrally and then, it, you know, you had Kerr pulling out on the right wing, which I actually also just liked as well because I think Kerr's just a bit more of that kind of like boxy player, whereas I think, you know, Fran does sometimes have a tendency to be a little bit easily bullied off the ball occasionally. Um, but you really started to see Fran being able to pick up those like pockets of space in front of uh, Raffaella and Leah Williamson and... That was when it started to feel like, okay, Chelsea have... Because I think it's important to say that, you know, like everyone knew, I think, this Miedemar-Blackstenius combination was a problem. But like Arsenal literally like tore up like everything they've done tactically this season, basically, to to play that. So I think in some ways it's, you know, I'm sure the, the Chelsea guys will have talked it through as a possibility, but it's still a very different thing when you're looking at that on a pitch. And I think, you know, it was at this kind of moment where Chelsea's attackers started to figure out, like, okay, well, 
we're not getting the ball in kind of this like more rigid 4-4-2. So let's start moving around and let's start trying to like pull players out of position. Now we've seen where, where they've actually kind of ended up. Look, uh, I mean, tale of two halves, all the cliches that you want to use here. Right. But it, it, it was different coming out the second half Abdullah. I mean, Chelsea not waiting uh, to get punched in the face, which I thought was really nice. Uh, and then you, you kind of, look at how they started to manipulate the ball and, and get chances for star players. Right. I mean, that's kind of the whole key here. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, I think they realized that they couldn't afford another slow start in the, in the second half, because I think if they had done it this time, I think Arsenal would have definitely have scored because uh, a few close calls. And I think because it was the beginning of the game, people, you know, players were still feeling it out. But I think this time, I think Emma Hayes realized that, all right, we need to get the star players on the ball this movement centrally from Kirby we've talked about, I think that played a bit more uh, harder dropping in, kind of drifting out into the channels. I think that really worked. And I think um, it was kind of all summed up in the, in that in that Sam Kerr chance where she just missed her kick. But otherwise, that was, you know, almost the perfect opportunity for them to start the way. And I think that's I think that's kind of the, the chance in itself, you know, just kind of epitomized what they actually wanted to do. And then they finally got it right in those first 10 minutes. Um and 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 I think yeah I think I think I think Jesse put this here as well but like there were just moments where some of the chances that that Chelsea had we just, it just didn't fall they didn't fall in the right place the bounce wasn't there it just it just wasn't in the right place that it went off the the end of the boot instead of the lace and it was just one of those small things details like on your day it they just they just go in and and this day and I think um, to some extent I, I know I know we talk a lot about attacking threat we talk a lot about you know chance creation we talk a lot about all of these things is Chelsea's you know one of the themes that we had is this Chelsea's attack what's the best combination and um I think yes that has been valid before but I think for this game specifically and I think in some some other games as well it just didn't fall Sam Kerr had chances Penny Harder had chances you know they, they, they were just the players had chances it just they just didn't fall like and, and, and there's nothing and to some extent you can't do anything about that you know, you can't, no other player could have come in and done anything different because if it just doesn't fall on your foot, it doesn't fall on your foot, right? And it's here and there. So I think it's it's something to think about. But at the same time, I think for that game specifically, I think it just maybe was just destined to end nil-nil just because of the way things were things were going. Uh, Jesse, we, we have to talk about Aaron Cuthbert, who has, I mean, it's either her or Penelope Harder who's been player of the season to this point, right? I mean, we're talking it's it's a two horse race, and Cuthbert, unlike Harder, has been asked to do a lot off the ball. Um, although Harder does participate, her her main role is to take and break ankles like she did against Man United, um, uh, which you know, if you just want to find some joy, go rewatch that goal. Um, but she's now been playing in midfield. She was previously deployed at right wing back. She was previously deployed on the wing. And in every position this year, she has found ways to contribute effectively to the team. In this game, she goes off. I don't know if it's a workload thing or whatever, but it appears like it could be a lengthy stay on the sidelines just based on the reaction. Yeah, I, Hayes was even actually joking in her, her pre-match that she was going to play Erin in goal for this game because <laughs> she played in so many positions, which I enjoyed. Um, but yeah, I mean, Erin's had like a lot of strapping on her knee for like, I think for like several months now. So I don't know if that's been like an ongoing thing, but this game she came out like 
she almost looked like she was in a plaster cast. Like her knee was, her whole like upper thigh was like entirely bandaged. And obviously she, she went down and, and she was kind of in, in tears. And um, I thought it was interesting that like, G came on really quite quickly and it, that felt to me like a flag that Hayes like probably knew that this this was potential to happen but Hayes said afterwards that she'd had a, a tight hamstring before the game so it's looking like it might be that which would be a big big loss um, thank god G So Young has come back from the Asia Cup because if we were to have lost another midfielder effectively like that that would have been um really tricky and obviously there is like a little international break now so you know I assume she probably won't go away with with Scotland um and hopefully that will be you know some time depending on the severity for her to get to get fit but um yeah when Erin went off I I was really like oh no and that was the point that I thought the game was gonna really turn because I just felt like you know we've seen how important she's been in midfield in those past couple of games and G was coming on and she obviously offers something totally different to Erin she's come just come back from the Asia Cup where she played a lot of games over a short space of time went to the final etc so I was just like I don't know what we're gonna get from from this player uh fortunately I think it you know and I think we'll talk about this a bit more later as well it, it worked out well um but yeah I just like f- fingers crossed we need Erin back I think as quick as possible and Melly and Magda and all the like I mean again this is not after having a couple of seasons where injuries didn't pile up on Chelsea, it is uh, it's not going that way this year, unfortunately. Uh, men's or women's team, frankly. Um, so <laughs> it's a uh, it's just been kind of tough, right? Because you haven't seen the the kind of first choice eleven as often as you would hope, and obviously Aaron Cuthbert is now a huge part of that. Um, so yeah, difficult for her, and, and obviously best wishes that she kind of gets through kind of the initial part of this injury. All right. We have to wax poetic here for a few minutes on the defending um, because I think this is then kind of, this will take us to full time uh, and and then we can kind of do a quick look ahead um, to, uh, to make sure that, that we have a, a sense of what's going to happen the rest of the year. But uh, who wants to take the start on the defending piece? Yeah, I'll um I'll go just because I dropped in some some of what Michael Cox um if you've got an athletic sub I really recommend reading Michael Cox's piece on the game I, I thought it like really you know took the whole game and the context of the WSL in and and put it together really well um but yeah he picked out the outstanding feature of the game as as being last stitch defending um he picked out some Arsenal players but we won't talk about them uh but yeah praised kind of Jess Carter um for the second game running and and Millie Bright and yeah I think you know Millie especially I feel like recently we've talked a lot about Jess we've talked about Anik because she's kind of come into the team we've talked about Jonna because she's come back into the team but you know Millie has taken the armband when when Magda's been out she has organized and looked after a defense that basically was kind of reconstructed from from nothing like about a month ago and has helped it keep clean sheets against Manchester City and Arsenal um I just the joy when she boots a ball out 
the ground. Like, I honestly think there's like nothing purer in football than when Be I see still my beating Millie, heart. Exactly. When I see Millie Bright put a football into the windscreen of someone's car in the King's Meadow car park, <laughs> which fantastically is probably just the player's own cars because it's impossible to park at King's Meadow if you're mm-hmm. a fan. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I just really, like, especially wanted to to shout her out because, yeah, I think, you know, she, she's been so fierce and it feels like she's, you know, I think we've always seen her as like a, a leader in the team. You know, she's been vice captain for a, for a long time, obviously. But, you know, this extended period with Magda being out feels like she's really like stepped up um, in that role. Abdullah, thoughts and feelings? I mean, there's a lot of material here, so feel free to riff on, on oh, what know, you want to talk I could, about. I, I could just go off my my earlier my earlier spiel from, from the top of the show, right? <laughs> um, the 100 no. word match review. Yeah, yes. exa- exactly. I can just go. I can just go on that. No, but I think um, I'll get onto Jess Carter in just a second. But I think Anik Nawaz, her uh, mm. contribution and improvement in this team has been immense. I mean, I think about a month ago when she came in, we all kind of knew that all right, she's quality and, and eventually will be a very very good successor to a Magda Eriksson, that ball player out of the back. But I think the last one month has kind of given her a different sort of education, especially the last two, three weeks, where she's had to learn last-ditch defending, box defending, as Om put it last week, you know. Um, and I think she's come out on top in these two games. I think she's proven herself to be this player that not just can play out from the back and has really good passing skills, passing range, but a player that can, that can identify danger, intercept, possession and kind of you know play those one-on-one one-on-one uh, uh passes and especially playing being able to do this in a back two so let alone a back three where it potentially could be easier because you've got the cover around you that 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 bond that she's built with Millie Bright and that partnership I think has been immense and I think she's come out all the better to the point where like I think I alluded to earlier was once Magda's fit, I actually don't see Magda walking in that first game back in and starting. I think I think now it should be a matter oh. of I I think it should be a matter of Anik Nawa loses form, Magda comes back in because I think that's the level that she set the standard to to, to that what Magda's kept right. I mean, if we had seen even get a little bit of a dip uh, or like a significant dip, then it's fine, fair enough, and you can go and say, all right, you've played well, but there's still levels to go, and obviously there are. She's still going to get better, and she's still young. Um. She could have a horrible game when she comes back, you know, next time. I, I'm not saying that she can't, but I think at least for the first game, Magda's fit completely. Anik needs to start. And then on Jess Carter, I mean, really, really good defending. I mean, I think I think from a from a pure defensive point of view, and obviously Jess was never going to be an attacking, marauding wing back, fullback. That was never going to be the case. But if you're going to play in a back four and you want to play someone like Jonna and you want to play someone like even Guru Wright, and if you want to play her on the left-hand side and you want to create uh, a balance, you can play Jess Carter at right back and just say, you don't need to attack. You just support the right-hand side and come in as possibly a three off the ball and let the left wing back or the left back just just fly forward and, and go you know, attack from there. Um, and it, and at the same time, it kind of gives you a protection for your right winger to kind of do whether it's Fleming, whether it's Kirby, or whoever is playing on the right hand side. So I think I think yesterday's defending was great, especially against uh, Caitlin Ford. I think one of the best performances she's had this season. And overall, I mean, I don't need to say much more about Millie Bright. I think Jesse covered it all over there. Um, but yeah, I think this this reconstructed, stitched up, makeshift defense, whatever you want to call it, I think has has actually come out as as one of the major major positives within all of this injury crisis. At least now we can see that 
if there is an injury crisis, that there are players in this camp that can come in and 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 perform. And we haven't even talked about Marin Mieldo once in these last two weeks. You know, with this defense there, early in the season we were talking about Marin Mieldo needs to come in at right back or center back. I don't think we've spoken about Marin Mielda in those terms in the last two weeks, which I think go is a testament to this back four that has been playing now. Just as a side point, can I add as well how much I really enjoyed? I feel like this isn't something you always see like that often in football, um, but like the nationality matchups between Arsenal's attack and Chelsea's defence. So we had like Nouwen defending Miedemar and Anderson defending Blackstenius. And I just found that really <laughs> satisfying because you just know they've got those like that individual extra, extra slice of knowledge, yeah. which yeah, I thought was I thought was a lot of fun. Let's talk about Jess Carter, Jesse, your favorite player on the team, and um, has been for some time. I mean, to be fair to you, you've really identified that up front and and helped the the podcast grow because of that insight. But um, <laughs> look, there is there is no doubt that she is playing far better in this role than she was in the back three. I think that the you know, for Emma Hayes to admit that that back three, we just didn't have the right tools for that back three, didn't necessarily function the way that she wanted to, was a huge part of the defense tightening up because there were huge gaps. You know, if we would have played this Arsenal team with that defense that we had in like November, I think it would have been disastrous, right? Um, but Carter's come in, done a pretty amazing job considering where she was starting from, right? So, uh, I will allow you to wax poetic about Jess Carter before we get into the manager quotes. Uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm really happy, happy for her. I think you know what Om said last week about Carter being really good at like kind of focusing on one specific task really resonated with me because I think when we look at lots of Carter's best performances, it has really been about you know shutting down certain players, thinking Miedemar in the FA Cup final hemp in like all the million times we played Manchester City this season um and then kind of Ford yesterday as well um I think that that definitely does does suit her and I I like that for her and I'm glad it's working out for her because I I want to see her do well I think the only question mark I have and this also kind of ties into what Abdullah was saying about Anik is it feels like and I think this was a bit of the problem in the first half yesterday is we don't have currently in this defensive setup very many you know dynamic on the ball going forward defenders and um, whilst I think Abdullah's right what's great about the emergence of Anik is that um it means we don't have to rush Magda back. We can like make sure she's fully fit. Like we're fine. But this four as it exists, I think does struggle to play the passes and find the balls that like can really unlock a good like mid press, like mid block, like what Arsenal had had yesterday. And I think, you know, especially kind of like Magda's left foot basically is, is something we're really missing. And I actually thought Anik, was better yesterday um, in terms of the, some of the variety of her passing, but she is very, very right footed. So, and you can really see that in kind of the options that she's, that she's faced with, you know, and, and I think at the moment in these really big games, it's just about worked. I think, to t I think I actually said, if we take four points from City and Arsenal, I'll be happy. And we have done, but I think the fact that we've only scored one goal across those two games isn't separate from the fact that I think we've been playing 
you know, John Anderson is is maybe a bit a bit more like of a, an attacking option, but I think because she's been worried maybe about her defensive inconsistency, she's been quite cautious. And yeah, I think it's no coincidence that we've kept clean sheets in those games because we've basically been playing like three real proper defenders, defenders with a capital D, you know? Yeah. I can't move past into Emma's quotes, actually, until we talk about the uh, blatant handball that was not <laughs> called. Um, if you'll remember from the first game of the season, there was a blatant offsides goal that was given. Um, uh, it made, you know, turned a Arsenal draw into a, a win. Uh, this turned a, a Chelsea uh, win into a draw because this was not called. It's an egregious error. Okay. You can go watch the replays. Uh, Cross comes in. Leah Williamson, uh, like some sort of goose, starts to flap her arms in the box, bringing her arm up or actually down toward the ball, which deflects down. Um, and the referee's right on it. I mean, to be fair, this was not an obstructive view. This was not something that should have been missed at all for, uh, you know, she's supposed to be the, the, uh, the best referee in the, in the division. So I don't know, man, I I'm trying to figure out <laughs> like what happens next here because I am, I'm all for a game that does not have a whole lot of referee involvement. Right. I, I don't, I don't need to see 10 yellow cards for a game to be exciting or for it to be physical or for it to be contentious. But for shit like this, it just it just is wrong that the game isn't decided properly. And that's what the you know the system can and should do. I'm just very uh confused. No, I I I agree with you. I mean we we were talking about this just before we started recording, but like I think I un I and, and, and Jesse was making the point where I think Rebecca Walsh had a had a good game overall uh, generally speaking. Letting the game flow, you know, all, all of that, you know, a couple of yellow cards here and there, which is fine, keeping the game in check. I think all that is good. And and if you are gonna be the best referee, you need that part of your game there with you to be able to to let games flow. It has to be entertaining in that sense, right? You don't wanna stop every two minutes just, you know, for no reason. But when it comes to these big decisions and I, and there is an argument to be made that maybe her position could have thought that maybe it hit her shoulder or something. But then from, from when you're clear on looking at Leah Williamson and you can kind of see that as she's about to jump up, her arms are coming out. They're literally about, it's like if she's going to fly, right? It's kind of, it's coming out and the ball gets crossed in and there's a sudden hit and, dro and, and drop down. And, and, and there is no other, I don't see any other possibility of it being other than 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 her arm, right? Maybe it's a shoulder, but then I, I, that would have been. But then the if it hit shoulder, it it would have gone up. The ball would have gone up, but the ball hit her arm and went down. So I don't see how that hits a shoulder or, or anything else. So it to me, it's just a really weird sort of thing. And 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 uh, I'm I'm sure Jesse Jesse will mention this in a second. But I mean, like it's it, it could have just been the timing of of when the decision was happening. Because eight minutes of stoppage time, which Frankly, it was ridiculous because I don't understand how many there was no eight minutes of stop. There's like, no goals. There's no real stop. Like, oh my god! And it was just Aaron, like Aaron Cuthbert went down injured and Rafaela went down injured. I was like genuinely so confused. Also, because at that at that uh, point, I was like as well, like for like, for like a minute, right? Yeah, it was. There was no eight minutes. It's like what you see when like someone's been stretched off the pitch, or or a red card happens and there's a penalty and it takes forever because the goalkeeper has to like. <laughs> this is a. It was nonsense. I I mean, 
uh, Rada, our, our, our friend who's doing some amazing work uh, on the women's team as well, comes out with a, a wonderful tweet here. <laughs> best right back in the league, Jess Carter. Best right arm, Leah Williamson. <laughs> and look, fair enough to her. Uh, Leah with the goose maneuver, which is what I'm calling it. Uh, J- Jesse, uh, she she brings her arm toward the ball. I mean, like, it's a yeah. – there's it's, nothing it's else so to say. It's so cold. It yeah. is like le- – yeah, that you can, like – like you only have to watch it once to like be dead certain. I had Arsenal fans texting me saying that's a hundred percent. You know, like my brother is like a diehard Arsenal fan, and he like immediately texted me like that's like a hundred percent a penalty, and he's a qualified referee too. So there we go. Um, Why wasn't he? Can you officiate the game? Can you officiate the game? I mean, that could have gone. Yeah, he did. You mishear the bit where I said he's an Arsenal fan, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know when you've got like, uh, yeah, yeah, I am Arsenal fans telling you it's a penalty. Like, I don't know. It's yeah. it's just so frustrating because, um, yeah, I said to you guys before. Obviously, we started recording too. When we scored our offside goal, I was just like, "Doesn't the Lino know we're owed one?" I yeah. was just like, "Come on, something. We're owed something for this game." Um, Emma but... Hayes goes over to the fourth official and it's like, "Actually, we have loyalty points from the first <laughs> one that I'm looking <laughs> yeah. to cash in here. If Here's we could... my card. Yeah, <laughs> like if you can just Thank you. run this through. Yeah. Well, I mean, Emma uh, even says this too in, in her post match, right? The best official in the league has missed the biggest decision tonight everyone knows it happens but i think they got away with that one beyond that the game could have gone in either direction and it kind of sums up where where we are here jesse right which is i think a pretty honest assessment of you know uh, and not to say that emma would ever code anything and blue paint ever <laughs> that's not her job uh but it is it's a pretty honest assessment right i mean you know one offside goal goes one way, one decision goes one way, and you have a completely different result. But based on the balance of the game, it's it's a pretty fair result, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, um, Arsenal... I think if either side had won by, like, one goal, you could you could see that happening. But I think the draw definitely felt like the most logical outcome um given the way the game the game was going um i thought it was really interesting it felt like neither team could decide whether they wanted to go for it or not a bit so, you know after kind of like 70 minutes it felt like chelsea were were beginning to be happier with like you know just like trying to slow the game down there was like a moment where i think it was like I think maybe it was like Fran or something was going to try and take a, a throw in quickly and then Peniel Harder was like trying to like stop Fran from doing it to, to like slow everything down. But then suddenly in, in those last like five minutes, everything just went totally frantic again. So I, I just really enjoyed that from from both sides. Um, yeah, on the decisions thing, I, I think as annoying as it is, you know, Arsenal fans would turn around and say that the goal City scored against them shouldn't have counted. It's just annoying that we've had two really crappy ones against Arsenal this this season ultimately but they're the things that just stick in your head and uh, you know in the moment as I left the ground and was like actually watching what happened because I hadn't seen I was like fuming but I think now in the in the cold light of day it it (laughs) feels a bit more like okay you know like it wasn't like we really deserved to get a goal you know if we'd got the penalty great and it was a penalty but it wasn't like something where I was like, we were owed that given how sure. well we performed across the whole game. 
while Jonas Eideval has uh, started his quotes not talking any sense about a potential penalty the other way, he, he does make a point of saying, I think everyone should be satisfied with the football they saw here today. I think it's by far the best league game of the season so far. Uh, it's two very good teams that are battling each other, and I think that's what is going to drive the league forward. His point here is a is a sound one, uh, right? Because I think at times this year we've wondered, is the league too top-heavy, or is it maybe balancing out a little bit? You see different types of talent going to some of the lower-table sides to kind of bring them up and make them more competitive. At the top of the league, though, you should have games like this. You should have real knockdown dragouts. It, you know, I, I will say Chelsea beating them so easily last year in, in big games, right? Uh, really battling Man City all the way there, but really just beating up on Arsenal. It just kind of felt like the league was becoming too consolidated. And now there is a maybe a push Abdullah to, that other teams are kind of getting into the mix here and that the two top teams are still excelling, right? They're still playing the best, but there's not this sense that it's just this runaway thing anymore. Yeah, I agree. And I, and it almost, to me, feels like this is the season, and not even like since the beginning, but like almost since like November, December, that, that it's almost they've come out and and teams have started to, re, you know, are starting to perform a lot better. I mean, I think now you can safely say that outside of City, Arsenal and Chelsea, it's Manchester United are now a team that is a force to be reckoned with. They're dangerous whenever you play them. And I think we'll see this for us, it's tomorrow in, in in the derby against against City. That I know that game. Um, you got teams like Spurs who have done really well this season. That's no that's no pushover game anymore. Uh, you know, or so we so we think we'll see what happens next season. And I think eventually, once Everton get themselves together, there'll be another team that will come into the mix. And so you can really count five or six teams now that are potentially there to. Um, you know, five or six teams that are there to kind of, you know, push the league forward. And and not even to mention, Reading are in the top six. I mean, that's another surprise package this season. Leicester are getting better and better, I think, with each passing week. They've got nine points, but their performances have been better. Uh, you know, and, and there are teams like, like those two who are putting in decent performances. Brighton had a really good start this season. They've fallen off now, but they had a good start this season. So I think it's only it's only a good thing. And I think the fact that these top four or five teams are now they're they're closing the gap with each other. Leave the top two out. Third to fifth or sixth is are closing the gap, which is just making it for a very interesting, maybe not the winning the league, that may be between the top three or top two, but at least getting that Champions League place with three places available. Now that's that becomes a very interesting thing. And I think from now to the end of the season, it's going to be it, I think is going to come down to the last day because I don't even think we know who the top three are going to be in what particular order are city going to make top three is it going to be Spurs is it going to be somebody else so you know I, I think it's, it's it's fun it almost certainly won't be Spurs just due to their history but that's fine um bias me <laughs> absolutely not fair and balanced assessment here um I think a couple more points and then we're going to move to wrap and look at the table here. Uh, Jesse, you talk about Fleming and maybe what we missed without her um, on, on Friday night. Yeah, I, I just I definitely felt like, you know, at halftime, I think I kind of tweeted this, but that I did wonder whether the the potential sub of 
like getting Tenguru off to bring Fleming on and, and play a three in midfield and the three up top was was one way of like getting back control. You know, as it played out, we, we were able to do that anyway with the players we had on the pitch. And, you know, I, I think that's good to see. But I did did feel like maybe we at points missed her kind of both her energy and also her her versatility. You know, it's kind of true for Erin, but she's playing quite a fixed role when she's in the central midfield position. But what we saw Jessie do so well, I think, against City was that that ability to shift in game from doing the defensive work to help Carter out before like being able to go forward with the ball and and carry the ball up the pitch or tuck into to the more central area if if you needed to her to. Um, part of me wondered if it was a load thing. Um, you know, we I don't think we saw her at all, did we? Did she come on? I can't remember. Neve Charles definitely came on at a nice Fleming came on and came on right at the four end. Four minutes, three, four minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it did make me wonder if, you know, when Neve Charles was coming on instead of Fleming, I was like, Oh, this makes me think like Hayes is quite keen to rest her and I wonder if that that's where it came from. But um hey, look, like it seems like we're maybe starting to get back a bit more strength and depth if we're talking about players we'd like to see come on the pitch and they didn't uh let's one final note on g who of course makes a um return to, to chelsea after the asian cup abdullah thoughts about her re-inclusion here obviously the midfield's a bit thin right now uh for a lot of reasons uh Leupel's obviously i think still dealing with long covid right um which is Scary stuff uh, for a footballer. And, you know, G obviously just put in a real shift <laughs> uh, over the last month in, in the Asian Cup. So what what's your what, what are your thoughts on her inclusion here? Yeah, no, I think I think it's obviously a very uh, I think it's a very good sign that 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 G is G is now back and she's she's fit to play for for Chelsea after the Asian Cup run and um, but yeah, I think it's been long, but I think it's good that there is a international break. So you know, G coming on, playing whatever twenty twenty five minutes, getting some um, getting some blood in the legs for Chelsea. I think is is only a good thing. Getting back in the rhythm of things. Um, I think I think what Jesse was saying. I think a lot of people, a lot of us, were kind of. All right, G's coming on for Aaron Cuthbert. We're losing one, we're losing one energetic midfielder for a creative one. Are we going to lose too much in this midfield balance? And but I think it was the injection of creativity and flair that that the team needed. And I think um, uh, I, I tweeted out the saying that you know I think. As soon as G came on, I felt like Chelsea had a lot more control of the game in midfield. Suddenly, we were we were getting the ball a lot better. We were controlling it. Passes were going out, and I think that was what was we were talked about was missing from the first half. Um, so, if anything, I think it's it's also gone to show that if we are going to play a possession in a game that's going to be possession dominant and possession based, you can play G just kind of like the same the Arsenal first game when G was on the ball and we were dominating Arsenal in that three two loss. She was really, really good, but it's it's against it, and I think that also goes to show that when Emma plays these different teams, there's got to be a game to game understanding of all right, we need to play these tactics and these systems against this opposition, and we play these midfielders for those specific games because now it seems like while the Ingle um, the Ingle Casper thing worked, but I think it worked better against Manchester City and Manchester United, but against Arsenal. Not knowing that they would, they, they you know they were playing the way they did, 
I think then maybe G would have been a better fit, but obviously, I mean, ignoring the fact that she's just come back. But yeah, so I think now it's good to have these options of like, hopefully say Aaron's fit sooner rather than later. But you have Aaron, Ingle, um, G, Fleming. You know, I think at some point soon, Ingle's going to need a rest as well. She's been playing three, four games on the bounce. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a good problem to have now. Awesome. Uh, all right. So very quickly, player of the match. Me? I'll go Jess Carter. I'm I'm going for everyone. Sorry. Well, that's not a real answer, but fair <laughs> enough. Uh, I'm going with Millie Bright, who I think, just based on uh, Jesse waxing poetic about her booting the ball into probably her own car in the parking lot, uh, <laughs> I think I think there is a huge amount to gain from that. And I, I love Millie Bright. So, uh, all right. Table time, right? Why this was a crucial match is Chelsea are still two points behind Arsenal in the WSL table, but with a game in hand, which could see Chelsea move ahead of Arsenal. Ooh, that's right. The intrigue. Um, Scary. Then uh, Manchester United, four points behind Chelsea on 25 points on the same games played. Tottenham on 13 matches played, 24 points. Reading, 12 matches played, so two games in hand on Arsenal uh, on 22 points, which could see them... You know, make some real uh, indent. Crazy. Wild. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then then there's little old Man City down there in sixth place on uh, on 20 points, uh, 13 matches played. Uh, West Ham right behind them. And then it kind of drops off with Brighton, Villa, Everton, Leicester, and Birmingham to, to kind of round it out. But uh, Leicester off the bottom now, uh, which is is really intriguing. And, uh, let's, you know, it, it'll be interesting, I guess, between them and Everton and Villa, kind of which one – uh, slips. Um, we'll, we'll kind of see, but uh, looking ahead, right? Chelsea, Leicester City, FA Cup, fifth round, uh, Saturday, the twenty sixth of February. Uh, wait, yes, it's coming up, right? Quick international break, then we're back. Uh, my brain's already in March. If you can't tell, like I'm just <laughs> thinking ahead here. Um, then Conti Cup final, and the most shocking. Turn of events of all time. We actually are playing Manchester City in a final instead of a semifinal. It's gonna be weird, but sure, uh, we it's could. It's gonna be it the off. fourth time we've played them this season. I'm, it's just too many times <laughs> to play Manchester City in one season. Well, it's gonna happen, Jesse. So uh, get ready for it. Uh, that's on the fifth of March. Then we have West Ham away on the tenth of March. Villa home on the thirteenth of March. Everton away sixteenth of March. And Chelsea Tottenham, which could be a big one uh, on the 23rd of March. So uh, March gets a little crazy there uh, in the yeah. middle, um, which is going to be interesting to see how the team copes. And obviously, if they advance in the FA Cup, there's that consideration to make as well. But uh, that's going to wrap us up, guys. Uh, it was a in-depth, charged-up Chelsea-Arsenal match review. There's still a lot to play for in the season, as you can tell. Uh, that game in hand is, is sneakily becoming the topic of the season. <laughs> Uh, who has the game in hand, who has the points. So uh, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high and get penalties when they should be given. For the love of God. (laughs) 